This is Gene MacDonald, the Midlife Midwife. Here is another audio track to help women with the different issues which affect and afflict us during our midlife transition and beyond. As you will have heard me say, I recognize that midlife women are the busiest women on the planet. They don't have time to watch long videos or read long articles. So we offer our longer items on audio tracks like this, so you can listen to them on your phone as you do other things. If you want to see and hear about the full range of support we provide for midlife women, visit us at www.midlifebutterflyclub.org and start by looking at our online magazine. In the meantime, I hope you find useful and enjoyable this audio track. I'm Jean MacDonald, the Midlife Woman's Mentor, and today I'm going to be talking about the six areas that most often hold midwife women back from their destiny. And that destiny is to become effective as a midlife woman. And what do I mean by effective? Well, it means someone who controls her own destiny. And that's important both for her and her happiness, but also for our society. Because we desperately need more effective midlife women to um, improve our society. And it's not just me saying that. The Dalai Lama has actually said the best hope for Western society is Western women. And because younger women are busy with families and, and those sort of things, it's going to fall to this new category, the midlife woman, um, to take control of our society. And you can see this happening already. The women penetrating into politics, into the police, into many of the professions. Unfortunately, not so much in business yet, but that's, uh, uh, that's going to those businesses who are not, not aware enough to bring women in onto their boards are suffering badly. The ones who do, uh, their businesses are prospering were before our present situation with COVID. Now, what I've observed is that there is a transition process from being a young woman to a midlife woman. And um, this is so much more than the menopause. Uh, sometimes women start on their transition to midlife before the menopause has got started. So there's no necessary synchron synchronization between the two. But um, as you will find as, you, as I talk, there are a lot of other issues that are um, hitting midlife women about the same time. And that's why for some, they call it the women's midlife crisis. But I believe it doesn't have to be a crisis if the woman understands what's going on, has given guidance and help to uh, move forward, to take control of the things that she can, so that it makes the transition somewhat more, somewhat easier. Now, the four phases which I've observed are, I call them confusion and recognition, understanding and uh, coping. The third one is uh, control, taking control and experimentation. And the fourth one is destiny. No, it's not destiny. It's purpose and passion. The fourth one is purpose and passion. And I also liken this journey to moving from being a caterpillar to a butterfly. And the intermediate stage is the caterpillar that was finds itself trapped or cocooned in a chrysalis. 
And um, from that point, it starts its journey of escaping from the chrysalis to become a beautiful butterfly. Now, the time that we are uh, talking about here is uh, understanding and coping, which is the second phase of the midlife transition. And it's the time of starting the fight to get out of the chrysalis. But it can't be done overnight. And there are six predictable areas which have to be dealt with sooner or later. And I call these the sticky areas, which hold the emerging butterfly in the chrysalis until she finds ways of dealing with them. Some of them sort themselves out in due course just with the passage of time, but knowing that is also part of the escape process. So let's get on to what these six areas are. And the first one is health and wellness. And as I've said, the transition is not just the menopause, although that's a significant part of it, but our bodies are changing for other reasons. When we were younger, we were extremely resilient and could. Uh, shake off all sorts of uh, illnesses and self-imposed um, excesses, let's call them. Um, but as we get older, um, we don't have that same resilience and our body needs more from us than it can do just for itself. And the key to bringing about a healthy change here is um, nutrition. Now, people talk about the word nutrition, they know what it means to feed, to be fed or something like that. but I remember uh, an American guru on health and nutrition um, saying something which I thought was very significant. And he said, our population is overfed and undernourished. And I'm sorry to say that partly applies to the British population as well, overfed and undernourished. And modern medicine and medicines don't know that, don't really see the value of that because as far as they're concerned, if you're not ill, then you're well. Um, but you know that while there may be nothing uh, that the doctors can find wrong with you, you still feel bad. And this is part of the, um, the deterioration that we need to take care of for ourselves because the body can't do it on its own. So our aim is not just to feel well, but to go beyond that and, and experience improved wellness, uh, elite health, as one of my uh, gurus in this field calls it. And today, and just this week, I've just recorded an interview with Philippa Bennett, um, who operates in this field, and she's one of our experts in the new midlife woman community and our new program, Discover the Midlife Woman Within. And um, what she was saying is that we need to learn to do for our bodies what they can't do for themselves. And that's to move on to enhance health and wellness uh, in order to be equipped for the journey ahead. The second area, which is an obstacle for midlife women, is money and wealth. Now, in the early stages of their lives, women shared their responsibility uh, for household uh, expenditure and management with a partner, usually, and so they had joint finances. Uh, while it's not true, the old saying, two can live as cheaply as one, two living together can certainly live more cheaply than two living separately. So that's how most uh, women end up in a couple or some sort of relationship in order to be able to um, uh, support themselves during that difficult period of getting established uh, in, a, in terms of a home, uh, family and a career. Note, but however, once one, a woman reaches midlife, that is no longer necessarily available to them. Unfortunately, some partners die. 
others disappear and others become less able to provide the income that they may have done originally through um, being well all sorts of things going on in the uh, in the economy but in many cases they are made redundant or the skills that they had that were able to earn a living they become redundant so um, in all these cases it's necessary for the midlife woman to start taking financial responsibility and quotes from Francis Bacon, actually, I think from the 16th or 17th century, um, was that money is a good servant, but a bad master. So if you don't control money, it will control you. So the aim is to become wealthy. Now, that might seem uh, unlikely because you associate the word wealth with great riches, but it's not necessarily true. If you have enough money to support yourself in the lifestyle that suits you and have a little bit extra for savings and, and luxuries, then you're wealthy. Lots of people aren't in that situation. So you've got to learn how to get to that situation if it's not already for you. And maybe you're good with money. Maybe you're not. And what I've observed over the years is that some people have a money gene and others don't. And the money gene enables them to understand money and work with money and um, and prosper other people just oblivious to that and it's they either need to learn it or find someone else to look after their money for them it's quite interesting that um if uh, if you're not good at gardening there's no shame in getting a gardener to come and do the gardening for you or other things as well which uh, you you can pay other people to do but when it comes to managing money However incompetent you are, it's still something you, with great difficulty, could consider, say, getting a bookkeeper who could run your finances for you and just give you, uh, obviously, regular reports, but also enough money for your spends. Um, now, the thing is, with finances and, and uh, the financial independence that you're seeking, it doesn't happen overnight. And the lottery is not a good solution, because if people can't manage money, and they get a sudden influx of money, such as a lottery win, they'll end up losing it very quickly. And there are lots of statistics to show how many people um, are just not able to cope with that amount of money that suddenly. You need a strategy and a plan, and ideally someone to guide you uh, on the implementation of that plan to build up steadily to financial independence and what we call wealth. And I shall be interviewing a couple of experts in the coming months uh, uh, on this subject, and their, their, their advice, I think, will be extremely valuable to midlife women who are in that early stage of transition and recognize that they're going to have to take responsibility for finances because nobody else is going to do it for them. So what is the third obstacle area? Well, that's what I call love partnerships. And <clears throat> I distinguish it from other relationships. And uh, for midlife women, unfortunately, one of the biggest obstacles, difficulties is to do with men and midlife men, because midlife men have become set in their ways. And they're very different from the young, boisterous uh, men that we used to knock about with in our youth. Uh, they're no longer those bright, energetic characters full of optimism. Midlife men have become set in their ways, as I said, and selfish. So many of them, of course, are victims of social pro uh, social programming, as are we. The program that we have 
is that some dream man is going to come along, sweep us off our feet and take us uh, on the back of their horse or into their limousine, take us to their, their mansion or palace and look after us for the rest of our lives. Well, that actually is a continuation of what we were told as children, which was fairy tales. A Prince Charming or a knight in shining armor would come along, pick us up and take care of us for life. Well, it doesn't happen. And men suffer as much from this as women because they feel they should be doing that, but they can't or they haven't been able to deliver. So it means that in middle life, there are a lot of disillusioned women and men around. And this makes part of the problem. The other social programming that we suffer from is that uh, love should be a lifelong relationship. Well, um, if we just look at the stats, we know that half of the marriages end in divorce, more or less moves up and down, but around half. And my belief is that of the other half who stay together, half of them do it with great difficulty because they just do not like their partner. But either for reasons of um, finance or fear, they stay together and make each other's lives, <coughs> well, not always hell, but let's say um, not very nice. So um, here we need the help of relationship experts. And one of the things, the consequences of realizing that uh, love relationships are not necessary for life and not necessarily permanent is that they come and go. And uh, one of the experts I'm going to interview, Heather Garbert, uh, tells us how to end a relationship with grace and skill. But coming back to midlife men, I did some work on this a year or two ago, and I, I came to the conclusion that, that there are four types of midlife men. And interestingly enough, they coincide quite, uh, quite exactly, really, with the personalities of the four men in chess. You remember from playing chess that along the back row, there are four men and one woman. The woman is the queen, and she has to deal with these other men. And if she knows what they're about and what they want, she can then make her choices based upon what she wants. And I should be talking more about that in the next talk that I give. So moving on, what's the fourth area or obstacle that holds midlife women back? Well, it's what I call confidence and self-image. Now, these days, sadly, many girls have a rough time at school. But once they escape from that uh, oppressive environment to find them their own friends and to find themselves and get some independence, um, they fizz and bubble. I mean, young women are in their early uh, years of adulthood uh, are really wonderful. But look at them 25 years on, roll on, and many of them have taken severe knocks and disappointments often to do with men um, and they've managed to damage their confidence and self-belief often these have come from partners who while not necessarily abusive have undermined their confidence so once relationships lose their glue which usually happens by neglect of the relationships and that's another thing i talk about in my uh, changing face of love uh, the relationship can become competitive and destructive. So the result is both partners arrive at middle life with what is known in modern terminology as baggage. And interesting, I had a thought about this baggage. The Latin for baggage is impedimenta. And it's a very uh, 
uh, insightful uh, description because that what's happened to us in our early life can be an impediment to what happens to us in our second life. We're carrying this around and it's dragging us down. So we need to drop it. We need to learn how to drop it. And it prevents us both speaking up for ourselves and speaking out to other people. Well, that's difficult to do on our own. And there are techniques and practitioners around who can help us do that. But we have to have the courage to go to them. And it's not easy, but at least we have the choice. Our mothers and our grandmothers went to their graves with their scars and sometimes their open wounds because there was no one to help them to come to terms with them and heal. Today, we don't have to do that. And so I hope that I will be talking to um, some consultants, therapists, other practitioners who can help in this area in future talks. So I'm hoping that uh, we can do that next month. And I have a, a speaking coach. I mentioned earlier learning to speak out and speak, speak up and speak out because this lack of confidence and self-image pushes in, us into ourselves. And as a result, we, we feel more and more timid. And as I said, by contrast to how we were in our early 20s, let's say, it's a great shame. And it's not necessary because in midlife, we can reinvent ourselves to once again uh, be a, a bubbly, bright, optimistic person. So moving on, we come to the sixth one. Uh, no, the fifth one. And that is family and friends. We love them and they love us, but they love us as we are. And very often families take it upon themselves to advise and try to influence us in our best interests, of course, but also in theirs. Uh, we are an important part of their life, whether we rise or not. And, they, and if we look as if we're changing or leaving, it disturbs them. So they want to keep us as we are. And I remember a lady who told me a few years ago now that she was a doctor. And she decided she was going to give up practicing medicine in order to become a scientist. The reaction from her family was really distressing. They actually tried to get her, um, what's the word? Um, uh, anyway, made, in, declared insane, uh, sectioned, that's, that's the word, as insane, because who would give up being a doctor? And that is a fair reflection that the, pair, the, the, the family uh, it was important for them to have her as a doctor because nothing like as much social credit if uh, if your daughter's a scientist. People don't understand that, what, what that is. And that was, a, I thought, a classic example of how families um, really do try, in the worst cases, to control their children and their, their destiny. Then we have friends, often friends who uh, from childhood who've been in our lives for a long time and who somehow uh, manage to wheedle their way into our lives. We can't feel we can't do without them, but they, are, they try to influence in ways that benefit them and disadvantage us. We do know at one level because they usually end up making us feel bad, but nonetheless, we've had them in our lives for so long, we can't think really of doing without them. Well, one girl told me an example of this uh, was that um, she had this friend who always wanted to go out with her uh, socially. And that friend, one day uh, it was revealed 
to my friend that she regarded her, my friend, as her fat friend. She wasn't particularly fat, but obviously the other girl thought that um, it would reflect well on her and make her appear slim if she went out with this girl who was, she thought, fat. So, of course, that uh, relationship came to an end uh, once that uh, information became clear. But again, it's an example of the insidious things that go on in this area, all in the name of family and friends. So um, I've uh, been interviewing later in this uh, in this program, um, Christine Wright, a lady who is a habit breaker, and we're calling her talk, How to Handle Possessive Families and Toxic Friends. I hope you'll join us for that. So finally, we come to the area called purpose and passion. And here we come to something which you may or may not recognize, but in most of us, there lies very deeply buried a dream of our childhood or younger years where we had a sort of bright future for ourselves doing something magnificent. But with the passing of time, we look at it less and less, almost the point where we've forgotten it, because now we don't believe we can achieve it. Well, as we emerge from the chrysalis as midlife women, beautiful butterflies, it's time to dust off that dream, which usually contains our deeper purpose. And as it emerges, we'll find the passion and excitement increases. Now, this is now another area where we, do, we may need help because, as I said, we buried the dream, the ambition and so forth, because we didn't believe we could get it. We need people. Uh, to help us restore that belief. It doesn't happen quickly, but it is possible. And once that's the case, we find that our passion and enthusiasm for it returns. We have a program called Discover the Midlife Woman Within, which we ask midlife women who have found themselves and found their purpose to tell us about their journey, which often started from very unpromising beginnings. And that when you hear what they overcame, it will make the challenges which you might face or other midlife women might face seem much more manageable. So that's a summary of the six areas which hold midlife women back and keep them stuck in the chrysalis. And we have this program, which I mentioned, Discover the Midlife Woman program, which uh, aims to help women understand and cope with their midlife transition because as I said, nothing happens quickly and not everything can be dealt with quickly. So one of the things that I use is a prayer, which I have written down here somewhere. Everybody claims credit for this prayer, but um, it, um, it doesn't matter. It's a very well-known prayer. You probably know it. God grant me the serenity to accept the things that I can. So I'll start that again. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change and the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Let me read that again because I think it's very profound. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change and the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. So during this phase, which we're talking about understanding and coping, some things can be changed quite quickly. Other things just have to be tolerated for a while, uh, either until they 
end in their own accord, such as children growing up and leaving home, or the time is right, such as to end a partnership or to change career. So I'll be going for more about that uh, when we go on to the next phase. But in the meantime, uh, this is Jean MacDonald, the Midlife Women's Friend and Mentor, signing off for today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the end of this podcast. I hope you got some useful tips that you can apply in your own life. If you want more information, guidance and inspiration, visit us at www.midlifebutterflyclub.org and check out our online magazine. In the meantime, this is Jean MacDonald, the Midlife Midwife, signing off till next time. Bye.